0: Good morning. I'm Camille Pook, Set Free Director and Volunteer Coordinator at First Free Methodist. I'm so thankful to be able to speak to you today. Uh, Some of you who don't know me, I'm a mother of four from the ages of 14 to 21 years old, and I'm going to embarrass them with some old pictures right now. Uh, They are all very different, let me tell you, and it would be so much easier to parent them if they were more alike. We have one or two who are very excited extroverts who are ready for almost anything at almost any moment. And I have at least one introvert who always longs for the comfort of home. We have one who from very early days has been eager to ask for and receive help with just about everything. She has known how to use her words and her dramatic gifts to enlist us to come to her aid very quickly. And this is one of her ways of feeling an important connection with our family. And then I have another on the more individualistic end of the spectrum, I will not tell their name, but at nine months old, if I did not come fast enough to get him out of the crib, he would just climb out himself. And his favorite phrase was, I do it myself. He has always been extremely capable, a high achiever, earning awards and winning trophies, and excelling especially at the more individualistic sports requiring self-discipline and technique. So I think we could all safely say that the American culture is a more individualistic one. We have been founded on personal freedom, evolving from the pulling ourselves up from our own bootstraps idea. We like to honor individual rights and self-reliance above all else. Believing anyone can succeed with hard work, which does encourage effort and innovation. But what we can often miss is the ability to rely on one another in times of need which is in the DNA of more collectivist societies, cultures such as those found in Latin America and the Middle East. They tend to especially elevate the value of relationships and the connection between people. It's in we're all in this together mentality. So in the Luke 11 passage, after observing Jesus pray, one of Jesus' disciples asked him to teach him how to pray and he starts with saying the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever noticed that it's a collectivist prayer? It starts with our Father, and it goes on to say, forgive us our sins. So Jesus' teaching about prayer, though, doesn't end with the Lord's Prayer. He goes on to tell a story about prayer. And this involves characters about three friends and a family. We know in this era, there was no 24-hour convenience stores, and bread would have been baked for the needs of the day. So hospitality in the Middle East was extremely important. Visitors need to be welcomed and cared for no matter when they arrived. So here's the shameful dilemma of this story. There's late-night guests and no food, and the cupboards were bare. So can you relate to being confronted with a need and not knowing how to respond? Maybe you have felt exhausted, depleted, and the problem seems so much bigger than anything you can face on your own. Like the friend in the story, I can be jolted awake in the night with a pounding heart and pressing problems that need solving, and it's at that time I can feel most alone and isolated. In the story, Jesus told the host friend had an idea to go to another friend in the night who must surely have bread to spare. But to complicate matters, most ancient homes had only one room. Approaching this neighbor friend meant waking a whole sleeping family. So who would have the incredible nerve to do this for another in the middle of the night? I remember how painfully hard it was to put children to bed. Part of the charm of this story is that the sleepy friend at first refuses for the sake of his own children. (laughs) But he finally responds, not for the sake of this friendship, but because of the persistent audacity of this friend knocking on his door. So what is Jesus telling us about prayer here? Disciples pray with persistence and boldness. When our oldest daughter, Sophia, was just eight years old, she was suddenly diagnosed with kidney failure. And this began a long and difficult journey for us with treatments and dialysis and finally a kidney transplant. Before all this began, I didn't even know what a nephrologist was or how to administer injections or the importance of creatinine numbers. I had to learn a whole new language fast while taking care of four young children and being prepared to become her donor. If anyone had told me what we would face, I would have told them there was just no way I could do it. And I was right. There was no way I could do it on my own. When facing my child's illness, I felt totally empty and depleted. But the people of this church and the great body of Christ... They rallied, and they supported, and they prayed for us daily. And many of you became that persistent friend in the story that Jesus told on our behalf. I wish I had time to share all the amazing answers to prayer and the little provisions that God us through each day. As we shared our journey on carrying bridge, cards started arriving for Sophia, and we created a faith box for her to keep them. You see, Sophia had a deep, deep fear of needles, and she had to have so many procedures and dialysis being hooked up to a machine for hours and surgery. So we would take out the night before these procedures, her faith box, and we would read the cards and the prayers to her. I'd like to read to you one. Um, her prayer pal was Carla Wall, and she would make beautiful homemade cards and she would say specific prayer things to her one of these dear sophia i hope you are looking forward to summer fun as i am i will be watching my flowers and vegetables growing tall what about you i'm praying you will have lots of energy and good friends to play with do you often memorize a bible verse here's a great one how precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36, 7. With love, Carla Wall. So sweet. And there's others. There's uh, one from Jannie Box where she says a prayer and ends with Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The Westers write about the good Lord that... Uh, is faithful and can be counted on to answer prayer. And Judy Westerman talks about the Good Shepherd who guides her uh, her as a lamb. And it's just wonderful to read these prayers and to be encouraged as a family. They're so specific. And I have learned it is so much more meaningful to not only offer to pray for someone— but to say what you are praying for. Write it out in a card or a text. These are powerful words, and God is praised for specific answers to prayer. So back to the parable. In this parable about prayer, Jesus is emphasizing boldly asking, knocking, seeking, not for ourselves, but on behalf of another. Remember the visiting friend comes hungry. In John 6:35, Jesus says, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever bleeds in me will never be thirsty." Are we bringing the soul hungry, uh, hunger of those around us to Jesus? We are called to be witnesses in prayer. Our family likes to pray for opportunities to share and show the love of Jesus. And for a few years now, we have been chatting with a sweet lady who bags groceries at QSC. She has shown a friendly interest in our kids, the kids who come with me to grocery shop, especially Serena. And we have shared bits of our lives as we always choose her line with our heaping grocery cart. And one day, um, as we were loading our van, she saw my kid- kidney donor license plate frame. So I was able to share a little of our story and our struggle with her, and it opened the door a crack for her to share some of her challenges. So I said, hey, would it be okay? You know, I believe in a God who hears and answers prayer. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And uh, to my surprise or happiness, she agreed eagerly. And um, this began an exchange of prayers. And one day toward the beginning of COVID, she began sharing something very deep and difficult with both Serena and I from her past and her anxieties about her future. And as she shared, I was silently praying as I was loading the groceries. And And Serena was there. And I turned to look and I saw Serena and and this friend hugging each other in the middle of that QOC parking lot, and they were weeping. And Serena was speaking words of love and comfort and peace to this woman. And it was precious, and from there on out, she has called us part of her family. And, uh, And this has been now a time where each week... As we go to the parking lot, she always shares her prayer requests. We ask her prayer updates. She's ready with her faith questions, and we're seeing God at work in her life. And it's so exciting to be a part of her faith journey. So I have found most of the opportunities I've had, actually, to share my faith have been through me being real and authentic about myself and offering to pray for people. You know, according to Barna, prayer is by far the most common spiritual practice among Americans, and yet, I tend to wait a long time before I offer it to people, and I wish I didn't. It's it's sometimes an uncomfortable thing, isn't it? So, when we bought our, back when we bought our first house in Magnolia, I was working full-time at King's, I was coaching and getting my master's. We were two very, very busy young marrieds. And I didn't think I had time to get to know my neighbors. And then I had Sophia. And just a few months later, John discovered a lump in his neck. And to our surprise, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. This was not supposed to happen to us in our 20s. And just days after receiving the shocking news, when the future seemed so uncertain, we received a knock on the door. A new young couple to the neighborhood had heard about John, and they wanted to host a prayer gathering for us in their house. They did not know that we were even people of faith, but they were knocking on every door on the block and inviting people to pray on Saturday night for us. You see, John and Karen were from Texas, And they didn't know this was just not done in Seattle. (laughs) So on Saturday night when we arrived, there were actually close to 20 neighbors crammed into their tiny living room. And as we got to know them later, we would find out that the majority of them were unchurched. The prayer time, I have to admit, was not without a few awkward moments, those seemingly long, quiet pauses... But let me tell you, it was so worth it. Did you know that it's a good idea for a prayer leader to set expectations, let people know in the group it's okay to have some silence, to know that prayer is still happening in those quiet times, and reassure people that no one will be called out or called on out loud to pray? Setting an ending time and sticking to it is always a good idea. It helps to reassure a group, and that's what happened there. This gathering deeply impacted both of us and our neighborhood. From there on out, we shared more openly. We cared for each other's needs. Barriers were broken because of the boldness of this one young couple to initiate prayer for us. And as our cancer journey continued, John especially struggled with the chemo, So two or three neighbors each night before his treatments would come to our home to pray for him, that he could tolerate it, that the medicine would be effective. And God answered those sacrificial and persistent prayers. So if you remember back to last fall, Pastor Matt and I initiated the opportunity for neighborhood prayer walks. Some of us at FFMC have walked and prayed in Magnolia and Lower Queen Anne, and even along the Ship Canal. So I thought I'd show you a little video of those of us that walked on Lower Queen Anne as a refresher. And we pray for the mission of our church in this city, and in this place, and in this neighborhood. And we ask specifically that you will give us the vision for this place, Lord Jesus. Um, God, we think about those that are homeless, um, the men and women and children that for whatever reason, whatever their circumstance, um, they are on the street. and God, I know that you love each one of them very deeply. And we thank you for them and we thank you that you know the very hairs in their head and you know their giftedness and you have plans for them.
1: One of the main purposes of us doing the prayer walk is not only to pray, but also to be asking that question, God, what do you want us to do in the city? Like, what are you calling us as a church to be about in the city? And so we look around our city, that's the first step is to really open our eyes to what's going on in our city, what, what's, the, what's just to look around and say, okay, what, God, where, where would you go? What would you do to like, kind of ask that question? And the first step is really just to pray about it and to open our eyes to what what God would want to do. And so that's the question we don't have to answer in this moment, but it's the question that we're asking as a church. Um, and so we want to see God working through our people here in Seattle City Center. We want to see people in Magnolia working. We want to see people over in Ballard, Fremont in each of these neighborhoods where God is just taking a group of people, it doesn't have to be a big group of people, and just stirring their hearts to do something for God in that area. So this is the start of that. So we're just praying over this area of our city and seeing what God might ask us to do. So
0: Prayer Walks are an awesome way to pray together for the mission of Christ to be expanded in our church so I would like to encourage you to think about whether you would like to see this happen in your neighborhood and we're going to talk more about that but we would love to partner with you pastor Matt and I to um, have a prayer walk happen where you live And we know, so we know we should be praying more, right? For others and for ourselves. But what if we don't know what words to say or even what to ask for? Romans 8.26 says, The Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. So groaning maybe can sound a little creepy, (laughs) but... Really, when we are at a loss, we can take comfort in knowing that God's Spirit prays for those who love him with deep feeling. That's the groans, the deep feeling beyond what words can explain or can express. So going back to the Luke 11 passage, Jesus gives another illustration of a child asking for what a basic meal would be back then fish, or eggs. Then he asked if a father would give a snake or a scorpion instead. Well, of course not. If an earthly father can at least be decent for his own children, how much more will our heavenly father, the lover of our souls, give us the Holy Spirit if we ask? The Holy Spirit who guides, directs, comforts, who convicts us of truth, who reminds us of all God's promises, and that we are his children, who gives us the words to speak when we need it at just the right time, and so much more. This is truly the answer to all our prayers. God delights in providing all the spiritual resources of the Holy Spirit for his children. But there's always that element of trust, isn't there? Do we trust in the goodness of God's timing and his provision for us and others? I believe we can all relate to praying desperately for someone or some situation, not having our prayers answered it all the way we had hoped. After, I know after my past painful breakups or my job losses, a miscarriage, a dreaded diagnosis, I have cried out to God, why me? Do I just not have enough faith? What more do you want me to learn from this? I thought you had good plans for me. There are certain prayer requests I have had for many, many years, and I long for them to answer, and I persist in asking. But I can say more than my disappointment, frustration, grief, impatience in the waiting— I have felt the presence and the love and the peace of Jesus as I continue to bring these things to Him and lay them at His feet, sometimes tearfully. And I know that He understands my suffering and loss because He has suffered too. My faith is often strengthened by hearing the prayers of those who love Jesus too. I can more fully trust His faithful promises. And I'm encouraged when I am transparent about my need for prayer with people who are willing to pray for me. Sometimes God gives special insight through their prayers into my situation. Then I am on the lookout for God at work in my life. As prayers are answered, we get to thank Him together. So I am reminded of another favorite scripture that also reflects a bold approach to prayer. It's Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but instead one who is tempted in every way that we are, except without sin. Finally, let's draw near to the throne of favor with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. So because of who Jesus is as our high priest and what he has done for us on the cross, we don't have to be afraid to come before God's throne in prayer with complete confidence that we are heard and we will receive mercy and grace. Isn't that great? So did you catch the collectivist language there? It's a we. It's amazing power when we come together. So some of you may be thinking, I know I need to pray, I know I should pray more, it's hard and it's boring. (laughs) When my kids were little, I couldn't even think of getting a few minutes of quiet, I can admit. So I say prayer takes practice, it takes intentionality, it takes creativity, and especially takes getting out of your comfort zone. So, here's a few selective prayer practices you could try to challenge yourself this week. Like I said, I've been a coach and an athlete. So, uh, it takes some training and I'm going to challenge you to train yourself in prayer. This is not by far an exhaustive list, but I would like you to consider choosing one or two to focus on that will particularly stretch you to trust in the Holy Spirit in new ways. So, here you go. Pray intentionally at least seven minutes if you're not doing this already. At least seven minutes a day. You can do anything for at least seven minutes, right? Maybe it's in a shower. You probably shower for seven minutes. Maybe it's in the car and you turn off that radio when you're in the quiet. So if you like a formula, this is a really good one. The Acts prayer. Adoration. Praise God for who He is. The Creator God. Praise him for who he is. Confession. Confess what how, the ways you have messed up. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Those things that you're convicted of. T, thanksgiving. Thank God for what he has done for his work in your life. And S, supplication. This is where we ask for his help for others and for yourself. That's the Acts prayer. And then, always in your prayer time, allow time to listen, to listen to God, to tune into this God that speaks. And then let those thoughts come and record them, note them and how he's speaking and working in your life. So that is the Acts prayer. Be creative. I sometimes do this on a walk or a run. I like to try to get out of the house. So another um, prayer practice, read a psalm a day. Did you know that the psalms are prayers? And it's a wonderful way to focus On God, and you can actually make them a personal personalize them to yourself. So, a great translation for doing that is the Message or the Passion version. And if you don't happen to have these, they're at BibleGateway.com. They're free. You can click on that. So, our family is using the Message at the dinner table, and we read a Psalm. Uh, after we're done eating, and that's a wonderful way to incorporate prayer together. Uh, Practice praying out loud. If we're going to offer prayer for others, we need to be practicing saying those words. There's power in hearing and speaking words of prayer. So if you're not comfortable doing it with another, and start in the car or by yourself, and say a breath prayer. Uh, Jesus, God's son, have mercy on me. I mean, that's one breath prayer I often say in my office. Uh, Just a little prayer. Say those words out loud, and then you'll start to... That starts to center you. Um, But practice that and then practice it with someone you're comfortable with and start to offer that to another. But we need to be practicing speaking those prayers. Share a specific prayer need with someone you know who will be committed to pray for you. This is important that we are praying for each other. And uh, if you want to, you can write it out on our digital connect card. We will commit to pray for you. You can join our uh, online prayer group on third Wednesday of every month in the summer. They love having new people join in. They're a wonderful, welcoming group of praying folks. And they won't put any pressure on you. So uh, feel free to join that group of people. The next Wednesday is Wednesday, June 16th at 7 p.m. So share your prayer needs with someone you know who will pray for you. Uh, initiate a prayer walk in your neighborhood. Pastor Matt and I would love to help you with that. We have a prayer guide. We'll help lead it if you would like. We can even help you with a route. But the weather's getting better and we would love to see this happen more in Seattle. Let us know if you're feeling stirred to have a um, FFMC folks come and pray with you for your neighbors. Write out a specific prayer or prayers for someone in a text or card. Actually write that prayer. Let them read it. It's so encouraging and such a blessing for them to know exactly what you're praying for. And then this is a listening prayer exercise that I do, and it's, it's really kind of exciting to partner with the Holy Spirit. As, uh, I do this on a run or a walk actually. I ask the Holy Spirit to show me someone who needs prayer, and I tune in, and I even ask what they may need. What what special things do they need for the day? Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's perseverance or protection. And so I bring them before the Father, and I pray very specifically for them. And then later in the day, I will contact them, and I say, I prayed for you at this time. I pray for you for these things. And it's really cool and exciting to find out that often it's so specifically what they needed. So the Holy Spirit will use you in amazing ways when you open yourself up to him and partner with him. So try it and you will find you want to do it more. (laughs) It's really cool. And then offer to pray for someone new and share why you believe in prayer. So don't, don't just say, I'll pray for you, but say, "I want, could I pray for you because I believe God hears and answers prayer and Jesus loves you so much, just like we did for our friend at QFC. It's such a, it's such a cool thing to start to witness. So the title of my sermon is Rekindle Prayer. I'm talking about the title at the end, I know. It's strange. But... I love the definition of rekindle. It means to excite, to start, to stir up something again, to relight as a fire, to revive. There are many times in my walk with Jesus when my prayer life needs to be rekindled. I always want to be on fire to pray, to pray for those who don't know Jesus. And my hope is that we can stir up prayer for others and in others so will you join me in this prayer let's pray together heavenly father thank you that you never sleep that you are always available to hear our prayers dear jesus thank you for beautifully modeling the importance of prayer for us and for teaching us how to pray Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding us of God's promises, for interceding for us, for giving us special insight. Be especially close to the brokenhearted today. Remind them of your presence, your power, and your love that is available to them. We ask that you light a fire in us to be people of prayer, people of prayer for each other and for those who don't yet know you.